Hi there, and welcome to the latest edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast. <coughs> Excuse me. Good start to proceedings. Uh, the Independent Rangers Podcast, which is brought to you by fans for fans and where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 180 of the, the flagship, flagship show. I'm your host, Colin Armstrong, <coughs> and I'm having a mere... <coughs> Excuse me. As I say every week, guys, it's not just the, the, the pod that we have here at Jersnet. We've got the website, uh, articles, social media... There's a history archive on the website and obviously the forums as well, so get yourself on that. <coughs> Deary me. Uh, and also, we would ask you to subscribe, even though it's a, fo- a coffin fit tonight. Uh, if you enjoy what we're doing here at GearsNet, we would ask you to subscribe. Put the word out there on social media. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we've got f- over 5,000 subscribers at the moment. Uh, so we're going to have a wee look at the, the Rangers game today. And I've been joined by two professionals tonight, which, which makes my coffin fit at the start there even more amateurish. Uh, we're joined by Chris Jack from uh, the Glasgow Times and Joshua Barry from the Rangers Review. Chris, I'll come to you first. How are you doing? You okay? Not bad. However, I had a, a COVID test live on your call. I think you better go and do it. Well, I might need to go there. It was actually something went down the road the wrong way. <laughs> and it's still there. <coughs> so, try and fluff it out the noon until I get rid of it. <laughs> uh, apart, apart from uh, my concern over you, apart from uh, my concern over you, well being all is all is well. Um, two two drop points there, uh, unfortunately as well. But I'm sure we'll uh, come on to talk about that and uh, and focus on far more important matters on on Thursday evening. Yeah, uh, a big night coming up. We'll, we'll, we'll obviously talk about that as well. And Joshua, uh, or Josh, uh, I know you've been on Sky and all that, and you know you're, you're you're the sort of face of the Rangers support at the moment. But surely being on the Chairsnet podcast, that's that's peak. That's you reached the peak. Thanks, so, mate. Absolutely. Um, no, great to be on. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, same as Chris. I mean, kind of a strange uh, game today because I think, in a way, within the, the last month, there's there's optimism um, given how the last two turns have played out. But it's frustration because I yeah. think that game today kind of epitomises the season. So, uh, looking forward to to chatting about it some more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll come back to you, Chris, on on the sort of first point. I mean, I I thought it was an excellent performance today when you, you know, I thought we were really unlucky not to win the game. And you consider, you know, the the injury situation, especially, you know, no real sort of out-and-out striker, recognised striker. You know, we're we're managing this game between two semi-final ties, European semi-final ties. I mean, there was a lot of talk yesterday. I don't know if you've seen all the sort of memes of like Rangers teams for like 50 years ago, this is my team for tomorrow and all that kind of thing. Real talk that we would dress players and, and, and not really go for it. Slightly stronger team than expected. But given everything that we're, we're currently going through at the moment, a, a really, really top performance and really unlucky not to win it. I thought, I thought we deserved to win it. The, I think the manager deserves a lot of credit for being as, as strong and being as bold with that team selection. If Rangers had had lost by a couple today, which could easily have happened given uh, position itself to in, I think if, if we'd lost by a couple, he'd put out a really strong team. People would have been saying, why has he done that? He's jeopardised Thursday. I think the, the result and the performance almost justified his his bravery and his, his selection. In terms of the performance, I think he got almost as much as he could have hoped for in terms of the result. As as we've all said, I think there was that wee bit more there for us. I think I think the three points were there to be won. You look at the performance, especially in the second half, the chances or Sakala hitting the post will be will be the main one. I think that that game was there for Rangers uh, to win today, um, and I think it says quite a lot. It's start of the week. Everybody was writing off the front game. Nobody was really fussed. 
if this wasn't the game that people were focused on, no real disappointment that we haven't won it. Um, I think that says a lot, but just about how one how the game went and two the uh, the performance that the guys actually actually turned in. I think they, they do deserve a lot of credit for it. Joshua, I mean, I was, I was looking at some of the match stats when I was when I was pulling together the agenda. Uh, possession forty nine percent. I thought somebody was ripping the piss for that. Actually, I thought that can't be right. We, we must have had more than forty nine percent possession. Uh, total shots 14 shots on target 5 uh, 73% of passes completed 7 corners we reduced Celtic to 1 shot on target and, and that was their goal I mean when, when you look at those stats I mean again how we didn't win the game is, it almost feels criminal but I think it, it, it points to the fact that we really were suffering uh, you know without that recognised striker you know that, that, that when it came to that final third but to me that's where Rangers had the problems today yeah, 100%. I mean, you, you think of moments in the first half where Kent takes, or Barisic takes the ball off the toes of Kent. Um, there was a moment where, where Tav kind of went into the box and him and Kent were mixed up. And I think what games against Celtic have shown is that Van Bronckhorst needs quite a specific type of player um, in that midfield in those forward areas. I, I, I just don't think the decision-making of the players that are there at the moment has been that good. So your Kents and the Rebos and, you know, Sakala, there was that moment with the 3v2 in the first half where he's got the visors on and yeah. he just doesn't know what's happening around him. Um, and I was speaking to uh, someone about this uh, after the, the semi-final and they were saying, yeah, you, you, you do think when he gets players that perhaps are more suited to his style of football, because, you know, you do forget that in the January window, he only really brought in two players that were going to start in Ahmad and, and Ramsey and neither's really kind of worked out, I guess, with yeah. Ramsey just for a point he's been injured. So this is a squad that was built for a kind of different style of football, especially defensively. You know, you look at his, him again going for that really aggressive man-for-man approach today. It's worked really well in different ways against Celtic over the past month. Compared to Steven Gerrard's nice and combined 4-3-3, it's, it's very different. So I agree with Chris. I think you need to give him a lot of credit. But for me, again, the difference is that, you know, Jota, the, the, the chance that he scores in the first half compared to the one that Kent misses, very similar opportunities, very similar moments. I think what Rangers did really well, and, and I think, again, you have to give the manager credit for this, what they did so badly in the 3-0 defeat in February was kind of grant Celtic control. And I think what Celtic argued at is those little patterns on the outside, the rotations that causes the goal, uh, the lead-up to the goal. But Rangers in the last two games, I think, have really not granted them that control. They've been aggressive. Um, and, and I think they've asked a lot of questions of them. And, and at times, I don't think Celtic had uh, the this, this sufficient answers for it. So... Um, yeah, I, th- I think that the difference was that Celtic had that in the first half. They had that attacking decision in, in the final third. Rangers didn't have that, but Sakala provided playing from his favourite uh, left side for a moment um, that in the second half, and that ultimately is what gets Rangers the point. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, <clears throat> three changes today, Chris, to the, to the, and again, it was, I think, you know, going back to what I was sort of saying earlier on, we were all waiting to see what team Gio was going to go with. There was all these rumours about you know, he was going to start a weekend team, he was going to rest players, focusing on Thursday night. Three changes, a, a far stronger team than I think most of us predicted. So Stephen Davis came in, Arfield in, uh, Sakala in, came in for Glenn Kamara, Ryan Jack, Scott Wright. You know, a reball again as, as per sort of Thursday night in the, in the first leg uh, against RB Leipzig. Asked to sort of play that, that number nine role. So in terms of the team, were you a bit surprised at how strong it was? Potentially, but I think when you actually look at the bench, you see he didn't really have that that many options. You think of Halander out, Balogun out, Ramsey obviously out, Morelos out, Roof out. If those guys had been available, 
it gives obviously her a lot more options to, to actually choose from. The, the fact that, that that handful of guys aren't available, by the time we then get down to the bench in effect, there's not many guys on the bench. Ryan Jack aside, you would say def, definitely go and start them. I think it'd have been been the wrong call to start Jack, considering how important he'll be on, on Thursday night. Um and you're then looking at Lowry being a it'd been a big call to start him. You're looking at a Charlie McCann, it's a really big call to start him. It didn't so far out the pitch or not, we're not good yeah. enough. Sands, you're not going to want to pitch him in. Diallo, we've already seen what happened to him at Parkhead already. He didn't actually have that many options or any guys chapping on the door to say, start me, I've, I've earned it. Um, so I think he, he got the team I think he got the team right. Slightly surprised at how strong it was, but I think the, the payoff to that would have been if he'd gone much weaker and even just made a couple of more changes, it would have looked a bit second string and a bit B team like and uh, it, it ended badly for him. Um, and as much as today wasn't the most important game of the season or the most important game of, of the week, Gio couldn't couldn't afford a 4-0 defeat considering he already had a 3-0 defeat at, at Parkhead just a couple of months ago. He had to get a performance and a result. And the, the safest way to ensure that that happened was to pick the it was to pick the side that he picked. Is there also a, a, a wee aspect here, and, and, and I kind of got that sense when I seen the team that Gio still fancies it in terms of you know if, if he get if he got the three points today, I think he thought that there was maybe still a wee chance of of, of winning that league. It's something he did. He did mention it last week in his, his press stuff, and even uh, post match today, he was mentioning it, saying we also had to win to get the to get the gap to three. I think his his phrase was made it more difficult, or it is more difficult. Um, I think after that, he probably realises like Celtic aren't, aren't going to drop the points, aren't going to drop the points required. Um, I, I all but gave up on it last weekend. As soon as they beat Ross County, I thought that was it. That was it done. Very interesting if they had dropped something up at Ross County, just how today would have would have yeah. been a completely different uh, complexion on that on that game. And Rangers would have rightly really fancied a chance just to put a wee bit of pressure on a Celtic squad that haven't had to see out a title. Um, as it is, they've lost the one at Ibrox enough and they will go and see it out. Um, and I think that just a one in a, a number of frustrations for Rangers this season. They've not been able to put, even when, they, when they've now been trailing for the last couple of months. Not been able to put the sustained pressure on a on a Celtic squad that we don't know how to actually handle it. Josh, I mean, in terms of the game itself, I mean, I thought we started really well. Uh, you know, I, th- I thought we dominated the middle of the part. I thought uh, John Lundstrom again was uh, instrumental in that. You know, we we looked settled, we looked composed, and in, in the crowd. You know, once you got to sort of ten fifteen minutes, you, you could sense that the crowd was was starting to get quiet. You know, Kent had a couple of chances, one that he arguably. You know, should have or, or could have scored, and in early doors, you're like, ah, we look, we look comfortable here. You know, there's always this thing going to Celtic Park, especially now with the the, the sort of situation with the, the away support. You know, there's a very, very limited amount of away supporters in there, so it always feels like you're going to the Lions Den a wee bit when you go there now. But you know, that, that early stage, I thought, no, we're, we're pretty composed here and we look good. Yeah, I think you could tell that with the crowd's expectation that they did expect that kind of. <clears throat> goal within the early minutes and kind of overwhelm Rangers as was the case in February but I think what one of the, the biggest um, positives of Van Bronckhorst's time at the club so far and he, he said this um, in the press conferences normally in between or after one of the European games is that once he's seen a, a kind of opposition in the flesh is a better idea about how to, to beat them and that might you know sound like quite an obvious thing but 
I think with the emphasis on um, analysis these days and, and how much work goes into that and to preparing players, you know, you only have to look at goal kicks on both sides of the pitch today to see how much emphasis is going into the small details of the game. But I think what Van Bronckhorst is um, showing is that he is, is really good at adapting to the opposition's weaknesses and tailoring his side's approach to that. So if you look at the last game when obviously, you know, he changed his midfield structure, it's been the Jack and Lundstrom um, midfield pair after uh, that 3-0 defeat. On that day, Alan McGregor kicked long out of panic. I think today what he did well, you know, the pass uh, completion rate was I think 72-3% Colin, but I don't think that was actually a concern because what Rangers were doing was without McLaughlin to play through the press, they would kind of just kick him over Celtic. And that's something, you know, I think Guardiola first made that famous when he played um, Javi Martinez, uh, who was a centre-half up top against Borussia Dortmund because Dortmund's press was so effective and it was such a big part of their game. He took it out and was quite ultimately a simple but effective trick. And I thought, well, Rangers didn't just kick it long. What they did well was you've seen a lot of switches of play from Lundstrom. Uh, you've seen a lot of Kent out wide to just try and stretch the, the Celtic uh, defence. You see that when Barisic takes the ball off Kent's toes, that's from a kind of wide ball out to Kent. And I, I think you're right. I think in the middle of the pitch, Davis and, and Lundstrom completely dominated that. I think uh, Lundstrom again got the better of Hitati, who I don't think had a great game. McGregor, I think, was, was pretty quiet as well. And that's, um, you know, compliment to Lundstrom. And, you know, on, on Lundstrom, obviously on Thursday night, he's playing in the back of a, a midfield three, uh, sorry, a back three. Um, and doing it very successfully. And in the first half an hour of that game, he's running beyond playing a box-to-box role. Um, I think he's one of the players you really need to build the next two or three years around um, of this Rangers squad because I just think he's been brilliant, so dynamic, uh, so dependable on the ball. And, uh, you know, seeing both sides of his game over these two days, I think, is or two games, sorry, is, is a reflection of that. Yeah. And how, how much longer do you think McGregor's going to wear that face mask, by the way? <laughs> well, I, I originally only thought it was for the kind of first game, but... Um, I, I, you know, he, he's so important to the way Celtic play and I think what Rangers have done well in, in recent games is kind of keep him quiet in games and, and today I think he, he was pretty quiet which is again testament to the midfield but um, yeah, may, it, will, it will be interesting to see if he's still got on uh, after the summer <laughs> uh, Thank you, I think it's a gimmick now I must admit but that's just me, that's just me being a cynic uh, and obviously coming from the other side of the fence as well uh, Chris Given that we'd started so well, it made it really frustrating, you know, after 21 minutes, Celtic take the lead. Uh, Connor Goldson doesn't really, you know, close down uh, Maida to, to cut out the cross. But yet again, we, we saw this in February, we, 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 we born that, you know, completely unaware of the man behind him. You know, when, when you see the replay, he knows he's there, you know, he clocks him, he knows him, and then he, he, he ball watches and, and doesn't, I don't think he goes goes for it with the right foot and, and it, it, it goes for it in a way that doesn't make sure that you know uh, Jota comes in and, and nips in in front of him really sort of naive defending and frustrating I, I did notice when the ball was in the net and, you know they're all celebrating Alan McGregor sort of pointing at Borna as if again you've, you know you've done it to me again so really really disappointing and I felt for a few minutes after that Borna looked a bit panicked I, I just wonder what's going through Say, Colin, he, he knows he's there. I think if, if you watch the replay from the main stand side, you can see he has a wee glance. He must know that the uh, uh, player's there. What goes through his head for that second, two seconds, to suddenly switch off and think he's not there? I don't need to worry about him. As, as a, yeah. for, for a guy so, so experienced that played at such a high level, has been at the club, been at, in, in the old firm games, he knows what these games are like. He must know he can't afford to make silly mistakes like that. Um, and to do it a couple of months after making a really costly one, 
Flynn, just is really, really poor. Um, he has come on to something resembling uh, not quite his, his best self. I think in the last few weeks he has been has been better. Um, it just looks still a guy that's so fragile in terms of his, his confidence. When he's, when he's on it, he can be really effective in such a great part of the side. He makes a mistake, and every time he makes a mistake, you just wonder... Is this going to be him for the rest of the game? Yeah. <laughs> that him shot like it was at Parkhead the last time. Um, I thought he recovered from it. Okay, didn't have a brilliant game. Um, I thought the second half he was it was better. Um, the only hope is it's not knocked him too much for for Thursday night. If he if he does start, he can't be a, Rangers simply can't afford to be losing uh, goals like that, and uh, they can't afford experienced players to be, uh, to be switching off in that manner. No, I mean, Josh, it's, it's, it, I think it's quite, it's been amusing when it com- comes to Borna because he has reached such a high level in terms of his level of performance. And it, it seems to me that, that one wee thing, especially especially in big games like that, when there's a big atmosphere, you know, I, I genuinely feared from him at one point. I agree with Chris, I think he did recover quite well eventually. But there, there was that 10, 15 minute spell, especially in the first half, where he thought, He's gone again. He's, he's, he's totally gone again, but he, he did recover a wee bit better this time. But it's bemusing that he can look peerless at times, you know, and just, mm-hmm. like, he's, he's a top, top player. And then other times, it, it, and it just seems to be one incident and all of a sudden his, his confidence just goes. Yeah, well, there was a pass back to him, I think, just after the goal where he got pressed right away yeah. and he lost the ball and you think, oh no, this is yeah. right, it's going to happen again. On the goal, I don't know. I think you've just got to surely get your body in front of that and take the hit. Um, but he goes at it with his left foot, which allows uh, his So poor goal to concede. I think he did reco- uh, recover relatively well. He's such a frustrating player in many ways because you look at that um, performance against Braga and actually the best moment of the game from his point of view was the the goal that was overturned by VAR, but that cross into Kimar Ruth, um, yeah. I think it was on about eight minutes. And um, I think when Barisic is in that type of form and he gets into a crossing position and you've seen this when Rangers open the scoring after what? inside two minutes there's a collective gasp and a kind of you know the seats hitting back on one another it is normally reserved for someone who takes a long range shot that expectation that comes with Barisic crossing because his delivery is so good that so often it returns a positive result um, and when you have that you know I was speaking to someone this week about what to do with him in the summer because you're not going to get much money for him when he's good he's so good when he's not good you know and you have this interesting dilemma left back where Bassey is such a valuable asset inside the pitch at points because of his physicality. Again, today you've seen that at points as well. And the, you see with the cup semi-final is his energy getting around the outside on the overlap and his delivery has improved a lot. That's really useful as well. Do you, do you keep them both there and just rotate and, and hope that both come good at certain times? I don't know. But I, I think Barris, when he's on form, his delivery is just such a valuable asset in that team. And it was almost forgotten about because he was so bad in that February game. Yeah. Kind of in March and April when he came back into the side I think it was St Mirren and he played a couple of really nice balls down the side as well for Ruth and you think you forget how much of a weapon it is to have a player with that quality in that area of the pitch that sometimes is where you get the most time in the ball especially when you're trying to break down an opponent so I, th- I think he did recover uh, much better this time and he's always going to have that now he's got 20 men now he's an experienced player as you guys have said and I think that's maybe arguably the reason that he's not went and played at a higher level um, because he does have that in his game where he can be so reliable at some moments and other moments he can just look like a rabbit in the headlights as he did just yeah. after uh, you can see that goal. Yeah, and to me it's it's, it's it's all based around confidence, you know, it, it just seems to be one wee prick in the, in the bubble of his confidence and boom, it goes. Uh, 
Chris, going into the second half again, like like the first half, I thought I thought we started well. You know, Gio's made the subs fairly early on. You know, he's, he's brought right on uh, for Aribo. He's brought uh, Ryan Jack on for Steam Davis. I was a wee bit surprised that Davis went off. I must admit, around about the sixty-three minute mark, I think Celtic had had a wee bit of joy. I think Maeda had the chance over the bar. Although I think he was offside. You know, they, they had a couple of chances. But I thought again, Rangers started pretty well. But I, I thought that the, the changes worked. You know, almost almost instantly because I mean, Wright was involved with the goal. So I mean, it's something I've seen a lot of debate on. And, and and as the subs were made, I was looking at I was looking at social media and loads of people commenting, "Why he's taking him off?" Why is it? But you'd have to say that they're, they're working, and I kind of I kind of I'm starting to get a sort of viewpoint when it comes to Gio that a lot of the times I don't understand these subs. Is, is that a good thing? Is he maybe seeing things that the rest of us aren't seeing, and it's working because you know it worked. You know, as I said, Wright was involved with the goal. Uh, I, I thought we picked up after those subs came on so you would have to say you got the substitutions right I think so and as I mentioned earlier on he didn't have that many options so when you only have limited options it was important that he made the right calls with him if he'd gone Diallo instead of right that would have been the wrong call if he'd gone Sands rather than Jack that would have been the wrong call it's, it's not that hard if you said to people look he's going to make two switches that's the options I think people would have gone for going for those ones but it was important that he made the made the right changes and also made them at, at the right time having having started the second half as well the momentum was starting to build with Rangers and there was a feeling that there may actually be something actually be something in, in this game for us they had, they had to go and take it they had to capitalise on that on that period um, the only frustrating thing will be for them that once they then did capitalise on that period they couldn't go and do it again I thought they, they finished well I thought the the fitness level in the back of Thursday night were really impressive once again. This this team's got a real habit now of being able to dig deep and, and see through. You think the, the European games in the semi-final to then put in that shift after after Leipzig is really impressive stuff for guys that are having to go to the well time time after time. Um but so I think the I think the manager deserves a bit of credit for, as you say, getting these getting these subs right. And the players and the and the staff have also been doing something right just to get that recovery uh, on on point over the last few weeks to allow them to finish games as as strongly as they are doing. On that, Chris, I mean, do, do you think something's changed? Uh, because I mean, this is a team whose character's been questioned. We were questioning it just a month ago. You know, when we lost that game against Celtic at Ibrox, but in the remaining fixtures in April, you know, they showed character and spades, especially that period. You know, we had the extra time against Braga, then the extra time against Celtic in, in the Cup semi-final. You know, the fitness levels as well. And, and it seems to me, that there just seems to be that there is a, a, an element, a stronger element of character within this team being revealed. And I also get the sense that the players are starting to, to click on to what Gio's trying to do. There, there just seems to be seem a better feel about the, the place at the moment. In terms of, I felt around about February, March time, there was a bit of a disconnect between the manager and these players. I felt whatever he was trying to get across, it wasn't landing. It's not fair like that in April. I think the, the support probably had that had that feeling as well. Um, I know Gio was only also a couple of months in at that stage, but you, you were seeing a bit of doubt over his, his position and how and how uh, basically how how good he was going to be in the in the long term. People were saying, "Is, is this guy going to be the manager that's going to deliver us?" Our next, our next title. It's amazing what a couple of results can do. Also, the game at Hamden was huge. The European results have been huge. And as well as beating a bit of confidence back into the squad, it has 
brought him a bit of confidence from the support. I think they're now seeing what he's doing. The players are seeing what he's doing. And it's it's probably just a an unfortunate aspect of when Gio actually came in, or coming in in November, had to hit the ground running, didn't really do it, had to then pick up from uh, the January break, obviously ha- hasn't done it. I think now the last couple of weeks, they have bought him that bit of time, they bought him a bit of breathing space, and people are now willing to give him a chance to go and, go and build a squad in the summer. Let's go and see what he can do in the in the transfer market and give him a pre-season to really put his stamp on the squad and on the team and uh, to see what he can do going forward. Josh, we have to we have to talk about the man from Zambia, uh, the hero of the day. As, as you said earlier on, he, he had a bit of a, you know, we've, we've seen what Fashion Sakala is capable of in, in, in the game today. You know, you've seen the frustrating side of him. I, I thought you you made a good point earlier on when when he had that three against two. You know, he just had the blinkers on and went down the wrong road when he had other options. But in the second half, I thought his decision making was a lot better. I, I thought he caused Celtic a lot of problems. Obviously, got his goal. I thought he, I thought he took it really well. Really nice move. We bit given goal between our field and right. Kent's involved. They get the overload bang. And and one thing I, I do like about Sakala, I've said this before on the show. I'm, I'm not comparing him to McCoy in terms of you know goal scoring and all that kind of thing. One thing I, I will say that I think Sakala's got that similar to McCoy is he keeps coming back and he and he obviously plays the game with a smile on his face. And I just look at him and think. Yeah, he can be frustrating. He has these moments where, you know, as, as you pointed out earlier on, his decision making can be poor. But he seems to be me. He seems to be someone that's prepared to learn, prepared to work, and and, and keeps going. And I think he saw that today. You know, the, the amount of people I was seeing again on Twitter saying get Sakala off, get Scott Arfield off. But Sakala's name is coming up time and again. It's not working. Get him off. But he keeps going and he gets his goal. And he and he could have got the winner with, it, with that one uh, hit off the post. Yeah, I mean, I think the first. His first game was at Real Madrid friendly, and I remember after Steven Gerrard, how kind of glowingly he spoke about him on Rangers TV about his willingness to learn, and you know Gerrard obviously chose this moment or picked his moments when to praise players, and that always stuck out to me as quite a uh, distinctive uh, moment of him trying to say, look, this is the type of player we've got here, and Gerrard was obviously very keen on how willing he was to learn. I think all of Sakala's best moments have come off the left wing. The only real notable one that sticks out in my head aside from that was his performance at Tyne Castle where he assists or, or gets the ball back from Morelos for the uh, what would have been the first goal in that 2-0 win but um, again if you take the go back to Motherwell last week in the first half I thought apart from that one moment where Ahmad has that chance um, Sakala looked pretty ineffective and that's because he's taken the ball into feet he's taken it with a defender at his back and I think that takes away the best assets and the best parts of his game which is running directly um, on the left side because he can go round the left as we've seen with his goal today you know it's left footed it's into the bottom corner and it's a really good finish but those outside to in runs I think he makes are so effective and, and what he gives you as a wide forward um, is, is goals and that's I think really valuable in the, the Scottish Premiership you know we've seen last season I know Kent uh, sorry Roof is a different player he was playing from that right side and he was guaranteeing you a lot of goals uh, in those forward areas and when you know Rangers went through a little bit of a sticky patch a couple of months ago when they had Kent, Morelos and Arfield as their front three. That's never, for me, going to be a front three that has enough goals domestically um, to go and to go and win you a, a, a premiership. You, they might go and win 4-2 against Dortmund away, but I think Morelos, most goals he's ever scored in a season domestically has been 17. You need to put goals in and around him. That's what Rangers did well last uh, season. So I think with Sakala, he's in Scotland because he's got limitations to his game. I think every player that's playing at our level and is not playing at the top level will have that. He has 
really good parts to his game as well, which you've seen in that second half. And as you say, Colin, you know, in games, he often has those moments where you think, um, like Motherwell last week, what is he doing? How is he doing something so that's so simple? And how is he doing it to, you know, such a bad degree? And then he goes and changes the game as he did against Motherwell last week. But I think what the, the main takeaway is, you need to play him from that zone because when he can run inside and create danger from there, he's so hard to stop. And he runs at the hearts of defences. He's more direct than Kent. He's different to Kent. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that was a difference maker and I, I don't think it's any coincidence it comes from the left-hand side rather than the right. Yeah, I also think, that, I mean, he, he had a good headed chance today that I thought he should have done better with. But he offers that as well. You know, he's, he's yeah. scored a few headers and stuff as well. And I just think, if, the thing that gets me with him is his willingness to learn. You know, it, it seems to me that he's, he's obviously very popular amongst his teammates. I think he's, he's obviously a good trainer. You know, you just get a right, positive vibe. And I always think with players like that, those are the ones that there's a better chance of them improving because they're so they're so willing to learn. Chris, I mean, I would say after after the equaliser, that's when Rangers probably had their, their best sustained period in the match. They were charting on the door uh, so often. You know, Arfield had a chance. Uh, John Hart had, had a good save. I thought from the rebound from that, I thought Ryan Jack could have maybe done better with the, with the shot that came at him. Connor Golson's uh, had had that shot over the bar. You know. Sakala's chances, you know, we'd be really rare chatting on the door, we're getting in behind them again and again. Jo- John Hart nearly gifted us a goal with that pass back that he sort of farted about with. And at that period, you know, we were really chapping on the door, but it, but it also felt that it, it was obvious that the, the lack of an out and out striker was, was the main issue. You kind of got the feeling if we had a Morelos, if we had a Ruth, we might have just got that goal and they got us a win. I, I- I don't think it's any great slight on the guys that missed those chances, but you didn't really expect them to score them. Now, Ryan Jacks has, has scored a couple of uh, great goals in his, his time. He's not a natural finisher. Sakala, he's, as I've just discussed, he's erratic, even though he did take his first really well. I had no real faith in him. He was going to stick the second one away. It wasn't a massive surprise that it came back off the, it came back off the post. Um, the the lack of a striker, as you say, Colin, it, it has just come back to cost us. And then the lack of something you can rely on to, to go and put the ball in the back of the net. Um, yeah, that's sort of circumstance. There's nothing we can do about it. But I think that did ultimately cost Rangers today. They, they are just that wee bit, they're just that wee bit short when Roof and Morelos aren't there. Um, and that's that's the main fear that I've got heading into the, the second game on, on Thursdays, as well as they can play is as impressive as they can be when they're at it. As they're aimed in the team, you can say he's going to go and score first tonight. If Morelos was in that team on Thursday night, he's fancy we're going to get a goal. If Ruth doesn't play on Thursday, I think we're, I think we're toiling, unfortunately. Josh, I mean, in, in, in terms of you know retaining the title, you, you would say that a draw is probably not enough. So Celtic are six points clear, three games to go. You are looking for a, a bit of a collapse now uh, in terms of giving us a chance. Uh, but I mean, taking the positives, you know, one, the, the European stuff's been good and we'll, and we'll come on and talk about Thursday uh, shortly. But, you know, I, I think there's a lot of noise about, well, that's us, we've, we've handed the, the Champions League cash over to Celtic. I think we need to remember that there's still two opportunities left for us to qualify for the Champions League. One is obviously via the, the, the Europa League and I, I, I still think we've got a great chance. I know we've got issues in terms of the striking department. I, I, I would still, even then, think you know a full house at Ibrox on Thursday would, would, would give us a chance. And if 
we don't qualify that way, then you know we'll, we'll got the opportunity next season to qualify through the qualifying rounds. And I believe we're, we're seeded now because of the situation with the Ukraine teams and all that kind of thing. So even although you know, and again we'll come on and discuss some of the frustrations about this season and, and how it's not quite went to plan. Even although it doesn't look like we're going to win the, the title, we still have opportunities to claim that that Champions League cash. Yeah, I, mean, I agree with both of you. I think Chris is right. You look at that game against Braga and even with Roof, Rangers struggled to finish chances and eventually it is Roof who uh, we had the ball in it three times, didn't he? But it's him that kind of makes that movement. Uh, and if you watch that go back, I think it's a tap-in, but the way he gets across his man, that kind of little dart, you compare that against someone like Ryan Jack today, who's not a natural finisher. Again, that's not slight on him, but you know this is why when Pep Guardiola go, uh, goes and plays without a recognised striker, it's such a big deal because obviously you know they're they're quite handy for uh, for providing goals. But then also, as you say, Colin, you know when you get to the stage, why not? I mean, and and, yeah. and Ibrox in the last three rounds has been. Um, I, I think it's it's played such a big part in the outcome of the game. Rangers have scored early and I think all the games are certainly before the opposition and um, the atmosphere has just kind of went up and up I thought after Dortmund can get better and then you know that red star first half was just absolutely mental and then Braga you have kind of the build up and the release and the recovery and game from the team which I, th- I think it was an important step for their character um, on the season as a whole I mean I think just broadly the board banked on um, kind of continuity from last season they were 25 points ahead this, there wasn't much squad turnover. They kept key personnel. They thought obviously they had the manager in place. They probably didn't expect Celtic to pick up as many points domestically as they did. And you know, we can speak about whether we think Rangers or Celtic are a better team. But Celtic are twenty-eight games unbeaten. You know, they are a good team and they have um, displayed a consistency that that's taken them six points ahead of Rangers. But um, I, I think there's so there's that element of it. There's not been continuity in terms of where Rangers were last season compared to Celtic but also you look at you know something I've spoke about I feel like I've spoken about it to death but the goal contributions of people like Ruth and Hadji I know they neither of them were maybe a, a first name in the team sheet last season but between them I think it's 34 goals and assists they had last season this season it's about 10 um, and, and Ruth's presence in particular in that front three led to a real kind of overperformance in terms of Rangers expected goals I think there were 18 over their expected goals last season Al McGregor also saved something like seven, eight goals above average. That's kind of reverted to the mean this season. Um, and you have the third point, which is that there's a squad that has had to adapt to a new style of football mid-season. And there's so many examples you could pick from that, whether it be the defensive structure, whether it be the lack of a right winger. And as Chris has already said, you look at what Rangers had to bring off the bench today. There's not many options whatsoever. Um, I think it's really limited what Van Bronckhorst has had to work with. But uh, within all of that, this last month I think has been so important to show that the manager has. Well, I think for the manager to show supporters that this is why you should buy in. I, you know, I am really tactically astute, and I can go and learn about opponents and, and overcome them. I can take you this far in Europe, and I can change things in games. Because how often has it been now? You know, it was Sakala moving into a different position that effectively changed the game for Rangers today because he got into a scoring opportunity, and I think time and again whether it be substitutions, in-game alterations, Van Bronckhorst has made a difference. So that's why this month has, has been, been important and why there's, aside from the league effectively, as you say, being lost today, I think there is still that um, optimism uh, w- within the camp. Yeah, I mean, Chris, <clears throat> the, the, undoubtedly frustration at, at how we've 
lost the, the league this season. You know, I mean, I know it's not mathematically impossible yet, but <clears throat> as I said earlier on, you're, you're looking at a collapse from Celtic that's, that's, that's probably go, going to be unlikely. You know, I look at the season with Alex Anderson, uh, and, and he made a good point that you know that you can break the, the season into sort of chunks. That, that, that there's been no real continuity, you know. So that was that early stage of the season <clears throat> when we, we just never got going at all. You know, a lot of draws, conceding the, the first goal every week for six, seven weeks in a row. Then Gerard goes, and then we get a, a geo bounce. You know, we're, we're, we're winning games, and then that goes, and then we've had injuries all season. You know. You look at Hadji, Roof, Morelos, uh, Hollander at the back. It's just been a just a right stop start kind of a season, and, it, and it's undoubtedly. Don't get me wrong. I think Rangers need to, to look at themselves in terms of you know some of the the draws, especially. I think I've killed us. You know we've got the same amount of defeats as Celtic. It's it's the, it's the eight draws that we've had this season that have ultimately killed us. But it has felt there's just no fluidity to the season, no consistency. It's just been stop start, stop start. It is quite remarkable having you you just said all that Colin and I thought Josh summed it up really well as well. In a fortnight we could win the Europa League. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it would be the most Rangers thing to do. I, from I don't think it's been that enjoyable a season. I've not really enjoyed obviously it's been great going to the games and uh, professionally it's, it's been fine, but I don't think it's been that great a season to, to watch a lot of the performances nowhere near the level. But you've then got Great European moments like Dortmund, you'll remember forever. As Josh said that that night at Braga in uh, Braga, uh, uh, sorry, um, the Red Star games were great. Hamden, Hamden was great. If they go and win the Scottish Cup, that'll be great. Over, overall, it's, it's just never really got going. It's never felt like this was a team that was going to build on on last season. Fifty five should have been the closing of one chapter and the beginning of of the next. It was meant to be, as Gerard said, and he's. Sky piece with Gary Neville uh, uh, last week or fortnight ago. He wanted to go bigger and go again, and there's never really been that feeling that Rangers we're going to go bigger and we're going to go again. It's almost like, well, we'll get through this one. Celtic aren't that good. They've got a manager nobody's ever heard of. They've got a bit of turmoil off the park. We'll be good enough, and that that event, that mentality catches up with you. If you don't, if you don't build on success, you can quickly go back. And unfortunately, Rangers have gone. I don't think they've, they've gone backwards. It's almost been a season where they've stalled after progression under Gerard season after season to finally then get fifty five. They had to build on that and they had to go again, and it's just not, it just not happened. But I say in a fortnight we could be, we could be Europa League winners, and I've, I think that would put a, a great shine on the season. But I don't think it, it masks some of the, the issues in terms of the squad profile, the contracts, some of the decisions that have been made, um, some of the things they've done off the pitch, I've got a, a, a huge issue with as well. So I think there's, there's still questions for a lot of people to answer. A lot of people uh, deserve uh, answers on a range of issues of, of how things have, have happened this season. Um, and even a Europa League win, as great as it would be, I don't think that should mask uh, what has been a, a fairly poor campaign for Rangers. Josh, I mean... It- in terms of that comment from Gerard around, you know, he wanted to go again, and I, I, I mean, he made a comment earlier on in the season, that, and it was the first sort of time I felt he he was criticising the board. I mean, can you blame the board though? You know, I, I mean, I, I, I think the board have been quite supportive building that team. 
you know, was, was it unrealistic, Stephen Gerrard, you know, especially once Malmo went the way it did, was it unrealistic to expect the board to plough more money in again without him saying, right, okay, well, I'll let an Aribo go or I'll let a Morelos go or something like that. You know, the expectation to re- retain everything they had and to, to add quality to that game, was that unrealistic? I think it's a good point because obviously the, the board would have looked at it last season and said, right, Champions League this season, the best, or sorry, last summer against Malmo, the best um, way to get that in the short term is keep this squad together, add a few person personnel and key personnel in different areas. And as we've seen, you know, John Lundstrom, I think, for free has been an excellent sign and might have taken a bit of time, but you can see the idea that the board's had. And when Gerard was kind of backing him in September and August, that's certainly been justified up to this point. Um, but again, you can understand from the board's point of view, okay, we'll keep the squad together. Um, we'll try and get a few of them sorted out on, on longer term deals. Hopefully they'll get Champions League in the summer of um, 2021. If they don't get Champions League in the summer of 2021, we have this you know apparent cache of, uh, pot, of pot of gold at the end of this season. There's 25 points in it. And, and uh, but as Chris said, I think when you rely on another team, and I think Rangers, you can only rely on yourself to win a league, and that's probably, broadly speaking, the, the, the mistake that was made. Rangers didn't strengthen enough and it's an interesting discussion about this squad because I think the Hamden game was so important because if this squad had gone out in a whimper it would have been such a shame for them to only go out with one trophy because they've been a brilliant team in, in, in so many areas um, they've, they've given fans I think so many brilliant nice Ibrox and they've come so close on so many occasions and I think it's important that they finish strong even if that did mean a European run ending whenever it did in a Scottish Cup, that would at least be something compared to, you know, watching Celtic pick up a treble and being knocked out of Europe and having had the, the stalling season, as, as Chris mentioned. So, you know, you've also got the squad probably peaking or having peaked last season and now we see squad cycles. They kind of need three or four years. They need a bit of rejuvenation and if you look at the spine of that squad, it's not been rejuvenated in, in three or four years. So, it's a gamble, really, wasn't it? Because if they've got Champions League, um, if a couple of things had gone their way, you'd say, Do you know what, brilliant to keep the squad together to get that Champions League money. We can, you know, sell from a position of strength. Clubs will know we've got Champions League money. We can get a little bit more money for players. Maybe we'll get a couple of them on their contracts. But that's football, just as Chris is saying, you know, a couple of results have kind of changed the mood around Van Bronckhorst. Some people will say, oh, that's very fickle, but that's football. It's dictated by little moments. Um, if Sakala scores that goal today instead of hitting the post, it's a win. It's so different. So it's all these things that, I, yes, I think criticism um, is fair because you can't rely on another team to, to go and win a league. But also it's a gamble and, and a gamble could well have paid off. So you have to, I think, have that perspective as well. In, in terms of next season, Chris, <clears throat> and I'm going a bit rogue with the agenda here, I'm just letting the conversation go, just in case you're looking at the agenda and going, where is it going with this? Uh, you know sort of February, March time you know when, when things were going a bit south I think a lot of supporters would have been thinking well, do, do we trust Gio? And I, and, I, and I still think there's a few out there that aren't quite sure about them I think the last five, six weeks you know, the European run the, the, the performances against Celtic the, the, the in-game decisions that, that he's made that have changed games and I, I really am starting to trust you I didn't to start with I, I, I genuinely had my fears about him but recently the last sort of six weeks I would say yeah, you're starting to see it now you're starting to see it. and and I think the players are starting to react 
does that give you a bit of excitement in terms of because I, I do think this team's getting broken up you know I don't think there's any doubt about that I think a lot of these players won't be here next season does that give you a bit of hope for next season in terms of you know it'll be Gio's team then you know he'll have to go and get the recruitment right bring the players in he would hope he'll be able to do that does that give you hope for next season in terms of what he can do for the I don't think I, I would have said that Celtic at Hamden and, and the Braga games have saved his job because I don't think the board would have sacked him I don't think we got to the stage where the board would have basically had to call it quits six months in but if he'd lost at Hamden and lost to Braga I think it was a long way back for him in, in the eyes of the fans almost irretrievable at, at that stage having lost the, having lost the league lost uh, at Parkhead if he then went and lost the cup semi-final Celtic probably gone and won a treble knocked out against a Braga team that we all felt we should be beating all of those things are on his head and it's not a good record to have in a short space of time have, having got those results and having performed as well in, in those games uh, since I think he has earned back a bit of trust I think he's, he's earned he's earned the right to go and give it his own his own crack next season he's earned the right to to build his own squad to have to have the appropriate backing from the board to go and bring in his players and to be given the chance to really put his stamp on a squad and to put his style of football in, into action with his with his guys um, I'm still I'm more in favour of him now than I was six weeks ago but as Josh says that's the, that's the fickle nature of football in a couple of weeks time if he goes and loses the Scottish Cup final and Leipzig win 4-0 on Thursday night everybody's not the same questions then then come back but I think I think he's now he's earned the right to go and give it a crack next season I, I would hope that he's he's silenced some of the critics won over a few of the doubters um, but it's a huge summer he's got ahead of him there's been a big overhaul of, overhaul of players you look at McGregor uh, probably retiring Steve Davis also doubts of his future Arfield uh, Conor Goldson looks like he's away and that's before he even start cherry picking the, uh, the saleable assets to, to help uh, fund the uh, fund rebuilding job so this the squad is coming to the end of its of its cycle. It's how quickly could he build the next one? It took Gerard three seasons to build a title winning team. Dio probably doesn't have three seasons. Gerard got that time because of where the club was when he came in. Gio Gio, I think, doesn't get three years to go and build a title winning team. He's probably got one season to have to come close, maybe win a couple of cups. But then doesn't start well the following season. People are saying, right, that's you, off, off you pop. He really has to get things right uh, and get almost 95% of his decisions right over the, over the course of the summer um, to really get Rangers motoring again. Another man who, who's got a big summer coming up, Josh, surely Ross Wilson. A lot of supporters questioning some of these, especially the January window, you know, you would have to say, has it really strengthened the team? You know, that. I mean, Ramsey, there's, there's been wee signs here and there, but he's obviously a great player, but in terms of his, his impact, it's probably not what we're looking for. Diallo, again, wee glimmers here and there, but I, I don't think I don't think any of the players that have come in in January are necessarily bad players, but you would have to say that they've not had the impact that we, that we were all hoping for. So, with such a big rebuild coming up, you know, and, and, and Gio's next on the line if it, if it doesn't go right, a huge amount of pressure on, on Ross Wilson to get this right. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, he's not really... His transfer record, I think, gets criticised a fair amount. And people will bring up all the names that he's brought in. But 
he's, he's always been kind of bringing in, um, as we discussed a minute ago, to try and keep the, the crux of the squad together, not sell the, the biggest assets and strengthen and piece together players like Scott Wright who you can pick up for free or, or, or a minimal fee. But this will be the first time that he's really had, I guess, real money to, to play with in terms of a, a transfer window. Um, and, and I guess you have to look at, you know, what he did in, in getting 16 million for, for Nathan Patterson looks in this current climate to be a good deal. Aside from that, aside from pulling off a transfer like Ramsey, which you're right, Colin, it's not, it's not worked. I think you can say that. Um, and... I don't think that's through any ill will from, from Aaron Ramsey. I think you can see how committed he's been and how much he's bought into the to the club. I think, you know, unfortunately for him, injuries always held him back some somewhat in his career and, and that's been the case with the latest one. Hopefully he can get back and even for Thursday, which would be a, a great, um, I think, boost for everyone. Um, but, you know, that was an impressive transfer um, and I think showed how Wilson kind of utilises contacts to get that in. But it's a huge, huge summer because... Um, you're, you're right. There's Chris. Well, Chris is right. Sorry, there's going to be a lot of players going. You're talking four, five, six before you. You talk about Kamara, Aribo, Kent, Morelos. You look at players like Kent, Morelos, Aribo. Can all three go in one window? Can you see any of them staying? Then you have to think. Well, who do we build this squad around? Because if you look at that starting eleven today, um, I'm doing this off the top of my head, so it might be wrong. But in terms of players that you know being that starting eleven next season, for me, you've got Bassi, Tavernier. Lundstrom, um, uh, you know, do we, we don't know if Kent's going to be there. We don't know if Aribo's yeah. going to be there. Do you build a team around Sakala or is he just an asset? Um, you know, we don't know if Stephen Davis is going to be there. Probably not. Al McGregor's going. We've spoken about Bowen and Barisic. So it is a real summer of change um, and, and, and there's a lot of pressure on to get it right. But I think what you need in these circumstances is for what Wilson and the club have spoken about for a long time and what they spoke about when Van Bronckhorst came in was kind of doing the work in the background and when the pressure times comes hopefully it should play out well because you've done the preparation but you know you'll, you'll, you'll see that, uh, this summer how um, I guess how realistic that theory is Will do and final point on, on, on today's game guys it wouldn't be an old firm game if there wasn't some form of uh, controversy uh, Rangers issued a statement <clears throat> uh, fairly quickly after the game the, you know there's footage kicking about in social media bottles getting thrown uh, the club have claimed that they're collating evidence uh, regarding hate crimes. There was also footage of a, a Celtic fan mocking the Ibrox disaster. So Rangers have issued a statement uh, saying we're disappointed with the police response after the old firm at Parkhead today. Our support was left unprotected as they were attacked by bottles and other missiles. Reports so far include injuries to elderly and disabled supporters. Furthermore, we are collating evidence of possible hate crimes which will be reported to Police Scotland as a matter of urgency. We intend to raise our concerns with Police Scotland and Celtic during the debrief. Celtic immediately <laughs> uh, retorted, as you would expect, uh, saying, we are still working through recent events at Ibrox, including the assaults on our staff and members and supporters. It is extremely regrettable that, again, our supporters have been targeted with missiles, including bottles and seating ripped from our seating deck, resulting in injury to fans and stewards. We will be liaising with relevant parties in order that a wide range of issues are fully addressed in the appropriate manner. Uh, Chris, it's all about tit for tat, really. I mean, the footage I've seen today was, was was pretty bad, and the most disturbing thing about it was there's police officers there. They, they, they don't do it. You know, there's bottles getting lobbed, and they're, they're just standing there watching it. No, no matter what side of 
the you know, uh, football divide we're on, on, on no matter what side of the park you're standing on, MD that's uh, throwing bottles at opposition fans doesn't deserve to see another football game for a very, very long time. Um, we had the incident at Ibrox a couple of weeks ago, uh, rightly condemned, rightly dealt with. You can only hope that the, uh, the authorities deal with they deal with this one in a, a timely and professional and, and proper manner. So M- MD that's, that thinks that's acceptable behaviour, no matter you know, what game you're at, what stadium you're in, that's no way to behave. No, we can't have that in, in Scottish football. It's not it's not good for the image of the game. It's certainly not good for the image of the clubs and uh, respective supports. Um, and we can only hope that nobody's actually suffered serious injury from it. Um, uh, not not the type of thing we want to see. Thankfully, not something that we see very often at Old Firm Games. I'm not sure why it, it can kicked off today. Uh, why why this is uh, why this has been the, the incident that has been. But uh, now, hopefully, it's it's dealt with in a, in a timely and uh, strict manner. Uh, Josh, it seems to be on an increase. Uh, do you think that the current sort of allocation of tickets has got something to do with it? You know, there's a very small amount of away supporters now. You can maybe argue that they're, they're more vulnerable. I know there was there was instructions issued by the club uh, to, to supporters that had tickets for today's game. They had to meet at the, the arena across the road at half ten. They would be in the ground for like an hour and a half before kickoff. You know, if you turned up late, then there was no guarantee you would get in in time. And I remember reading the same. I think this is all a bit draconian for people attending a football match. So, I mean, we know that the sort of reasons behind why the, the allocation is why it is. But is that also having an impact? Because it does seem to be getting worse uh, at this present moment in time. Yeah, I don't know. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. Um, but I just kind of echo what Chris uh, says. I think in these situations, you just need uh, respective clubs to deal with it. And, and stamp it out quickly because people see if, if these things are stamped out quickly. I think that hopefully stops future actions. So um, I think Chris put it very well. So I'll just echo his thoughts and uh, maybe that is uh, an impact on, on what's happening, Colin. But certainly, you know, you don't want to see it. You don't have to be talking about it after a game. Um, and, uh, and yeah, hopefully it's dealt with swiftly and that stops future uh, incidents from, from happening as well. Going back to the previous episodes at Ibrox, Chris, Final point in this, you know, Celtic issued a statement quite correctly, uh, you know, very quickly after the game, you know, a member of the staff was at the bottle. You know, there was obviously the bottle that was chucked in the park, uh, Joe Hart as well. Rangers didn't retort, they, they'd simply identified the individual, the individual's been arrested. I think he was filling up around about my area, actually. Uh, I think he's I think he was for Greensburg. <clears throat> but this you know, for, for Rangers to come out today and say that they've got concerns about a number of incidents, and for Celtic to kind of pettily just point to the, the previous incidents I, I thought that was poor form I don't quite get why Celtic had felt that they had to bring that bring that into it uh, as, as you said right at start Paul it's a bit tit for tat just because there was an incident at Ibrox that doesn't have any bearing on the incident at Parkhead the incidents at Parkhead are, are serious and regrettable in, in their own right again whether it's Rangers to Celtic or Celtic to Rangers doesn't matter who started it the incidents have to be dealt with Appropriately by by the clubs, by the by the police. I'm sure the SFA and the SPFL will have a look at it as well. What happened at Ibrox a couple of weeks ago had no bearing on that incident, and should have no bearing on how those incidents today are are dealt with. So I'm not. Uh, it seemed a bit petty and a bit okay, point scoring from Celtic to say, "Well, you started it." Well, it doesn't really matter who starts it. It's about how how this actually comes to an end and how, you know, how we can ensure this uh, this type of thing doesn't happen again because it. it 
it's not something we want to see in the in the game. It's not something that the that the old firm derby needs. Um, and it would be easy for Celtic just to come out and condemn whatever whatever uh, actions the Rangers fans or they think the Rangers fans have committed, whatever their side of it is, they're perfectly entitled to come out and make that point just as Rangers did in their statement. There was no need for, uh, for Celtic, I don't think, to, uh, to bring the Ibrox instance uh, back into it when that's when that's being dealt with at present. Somebody would say it was a bit what about it, but we'll, we'll not go into that at the moment. Uh, right, on to Thursday night, guys. Uh, Josh, I mean, a huge night. I mean, arguably, I mean, I've been to some big Champions League nights in my time, you know, Leeds United and Parma and, and all these kind of things. You know, the, the, the thought of going to Ibrox on Thursday night and then at the end of that game, Rangers will be in a European final. I, I can't think of any bigger game that I've been at Ibrox. I have to say, the, the, the prospect of it is, is mouth-watering. You know, it's just it, it's just going to be massive. And I, I, I know we've got issues in terms of injuries and stuff like that. But if, if you were offered a, this opportunity at any point, you know, a semi-final at home, if you win it, you're in the final of a European competition. It doesn't get any better than that. No, my uh, better half isn't uh, that clued up on football matters. And she said to me, because I said to her this, I was speaking to her about it, you know, it's the biggest game and however long, whatever. And she said, she keeps saying to me, you've said that about three times in the last month. But these Euro- there is that feel with these European nights. Yeah. You know, Dortmund, wow, a chance to knock out Dortmund, get to a stage uh, further, amazing. And you get Red Star and you think, okay, it's a realistic pathway forwards, Braga, Again and and now I th- I think you're completely right, Colin. I mean, the sp- the prospect of uh, I'm feeling it being played is is very appealing uh, at full time. And I think we just kind of top top all the post match scenes that we've seen this past year. Um, uh, but I think I, I I agree with Chris that when you've not got a goal scorer, it's really difficult. We need to go and score two goals, and uh, you know it's not as if Rangers have a, a midfield that's known for its goal scoring ability, but equally. Rangers are not supposed to be at this stage. I think there's been a lot of factors that carried Rangers to this stage. The crowd and the momentum behind the team certainly being two. Um, and, and also, why not? You know, the squads haven't got to this stage of the competition by thinking, um, we, we, you know, maybe we won't get into the next round. And I, and I think you've seen that. There was almost a quiet confidence with Van Braun, of course. Me, me and Chris were there at, at the press conference on a, a Thursday night and I don't know what you thought, Chris, but I kind of thought there was a little bit of a quiet confidence about him, a little bit of a please to get out of that arena with a one-goal deficit because they're a seriously good team. And, and you know, I did a lot of uh, reading about them before that game and, and their manager, Tedesco, has changed them into a really good possession-dominant team in the last six months. Um, and it's set up, if Rangers go and get the first goal without there being away goals, you can turn it into kind of a bit of a score-off. James Tavenier at home in the Europa League always scores so uh, why not I think everyone's looking forward to it and and um, you're right the, the prospect of Rangers getting into European final on Thursday is, is quite crazy but it's the stage we're at so you might as well go and enjoy it That's it Chris I mean, that, that, I mean that's possibly the best way to finish it would be the question why not I mean I, I know we have injuries you know we're, we're hoping to have Roof and Ramsey back to, to, to improve the forward line and the options in terms of from an, an attacking sense but, but why not? Because this team has defied the odds time after time after time. It seems to me since they, they put that camera on the top of the, cl- the club deck that, that scoots across, that seems to have been the omen that, you know, I, I, I mean, every home game, I'm, I'm, I'm always at the games, obviously, but 
because I'm that hyper when I come back, I always rewatch the film ninety minutes, and you're you're waiting to see that view in the club deck, you know, the camera. So yeah, as, as Joshua says, why not? Because this group have shown you know incredible res- resilience and character and belief t- to get to this stage. I mean, I think putting out Dortmund alone was was, was superb. So why not? It's the type of night that it's the type of night that sums up why we all love football. If if this game doesn't get you, it doesn't get you going. If you're a player and this game doesn't get you going, you're at the wrong team. You're you're supporting the wrong club. This is what this is what Rangers are all about. Scottish clubs are not supposed to get to this stage of European competition. You look at how they are trying to to manufacture competitions. It's to keep clubs like Rangers out out from this stage. We, we are not meant to be here. We are very much gate crashing the party. Um, Hopefully we can go and uh, get crashed and come back with something nice and shiny and uh, from Seville. It would be a, be a, a wonderful achievement to get there and, and very different. Also, I remember the, uh, that night in Fiorentina, but the Ibrox game was a bit of a non event. I can't really remember yeah. much about the Ibrox game apart from the part of the scoreline. It was watching that game in, in Fiorentina that brings back all the all the memories to actually be at one and to have the fifty thousand crowd, to have the music, to have to have the Ibrox roar. There's been times over the season you've literally felt the stadium shake as uh, on 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 the gantry as it's as it's bouncing after goals or after after some of the wins. It's just a, a wonderful night to to be involved in, um, and I just I just can't wait for I can't wait for kick off and uh, fingers crossed we can do the business. Yeah, hope so, hope so. Hey, right, guys, on that I'm just looking at the time. That's probably perfect timing there. Uh, got through everything. So a big thanks to. Chris and to Joshua for their contributions tonight and for working with an amateur like myself two solid professionals uh, coming in and, and helping me out there right so uh, that's all for this week's show as we were live tonight guys we were live on the Sunday night the show will be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow including Acast, iTunes, YouTube Castbox, Stitcher and Spotify uh, we'll have a preview show out on Wednesday night hopefully and, and obviously we'll, we'll have an, another show out on Friday looking at everything and the, the show next Sunday as well uh, in the meantime get yourself onto the JersNet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk guys it's going to be a huge week this week obviously it looks like the league's gone unfortunately that's just the way it goes we're still the better team though don't forget that but it's a huge week this week, a huge a huge night coming up on Thursday. A real opportunity to make some history, to get to a European final. And of all the places that we could possibly win it, it could be Seville. You know, that would that would be pretty special. So enjoy your week, enjoy your Thursday night. Hopefully we'll get through. Uh, and until next time, bye for now.